0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family.
1: This is episode 175 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's
2: show, we discuss the pros and cons of wrapping horses' legs when riding. The critter of the show is the Florida tree frog. In Critter Nutrition, we focus on iron in your horse's diet. And in Coffee Clatch, we ask, What quirky qualities does your horse or dog have that make you laugh? Join us!
1: I'm Tigger, and I'm Patty.
3: And I'm Coach Jen. Thanks for joining us here on Healthy Critters Radio, where we sit around and chat about all things critter and all things healthy. Everything from detailed, like how much horse di- iron is in your horse's diet, to great big wide, to like um, why you should laugh more often. So what's going on What's going on since mm-hmm. we last chatted, lady? We I actually saw you very recently, but what's
2: been going on? What's well, been- I wanted to know what you thought of CODA. Well, let's let's prerequisite the conversation. Tell okay. everybody what CODA is. CODA is the Challenge of the Americas, which is held in Wellington every year, to raise money for breast cancer research. So it's a huge fundraiser, and it's centered around teams of six Grand Prix riders per team doing quadrilles to music.
3: Which is so fun (laughs) it was really a lot of fun it was it was very much a light and party atmosphere yeah it's really I've I've seen potty do's potty do's and I've seen freestyles but I really enjoyed the team aspect of the quadrille because you've got Six different horses, six different riders, all trying to make it happen together in the right timing, <laughs> yes. things like that. So it was really fun to watch all that, and everybody got so creative with the both the music and the choreography. It's yes. Much more creative than you would see in any freestyle,
2: uh, freestyle for freestyle sure.
3: competition. Yeah, and that was really fun. So even Glenn, who came along, Glenn, not a horse guy, doesn't <laughs> watch dressage. He actually really enjoyed it It is very much yes he did it is very much a spectator sport and the mini show jumping at the beginning was a hoot um two two competitors had little teeny tiny minis it was no it was four minis four minis they did a they did a quadrille, but instead of doing dressage, they were minis and on lead ropes. They did jumping. So they were going around and they made figures while they were running along with the minis and jumped little teeny tiny jumps. And the minis were wearing wings. And when the minis would jump, the wings would flap in the air. It was awesome.
2: Well, and, it, and the theme was Top Gun. Oh, so that's the,
3: right. And they played it to they did the Top Gun theme music. Yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> so I have that I missed that. It was it, awesome. It was so funny. It was really fun.
3: Now, Tigger. About how long does it take to go? So at what point in the year do you start planning for next year's COTA?
2: I already have.
3: <laughs> so I thought that might be the case. What's the first step in planning? Is it is it you figure out who's gonna do the writing
2: first? No, that's the last part. Really? Mm-hmm. What comes first? First comes the theme. Okay. So you
3: decide to say, I'm not going to ask. And this is all very top secret. Oh, it's Nobody very knows. Top secret. Very top secret. No, The other teams don't know what the other teams nope. are doing. Um, no. Nope. So once you decide on your theme, what's the next step? The music. The music. And then after that is the choreography, I'm guessing? Yes. Yeah. And then you decide who's going to ride now. At how far out in advance of the Cota fundraising celebration do you start rehearsing with the riders?
2: Beginning of January.
3: So that's January, February, February
2: March. and Feb- Yeah.
3: So that's about
2: eight, between 10 eight, weeks. Cause you add, you add some extra rehearsals.
3: About 10 weeks. Now, is that pretty universal for all the teams yes. or does each team have yes. different ones? About no, same.
2: everybody's pretty much on that schedule. It takes that long to learn the paddling.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's it's sure not, does. it's, it's <laughs> what, eight <laughs> or 10 minutes long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: and,
3: and Patty road, <laughs> tell us about what, what you did, Patty.
1: Oh, well, um, we, it, it was really quite cool because obviously it's a breast cancer thing and, and we did a tribute to Olivia Newton-John and um, <laughs> I got to be Sandy, um, <laughs> but it was, it was but, but the thing that was so, what that was so cool is, um, and Tigger said this early on, she thought that we were uh, quite entertaining. Well, Jim Covert was um, on our quadrille and I'm just going to leave it at that. I mean, <laughs> anybody in the dressage world, actually anybody in the horse world that knows Jim Kilford, he's just a, he's just, he's just funny to be around and easy to be around. And, um, and we love to joke. So it was just, it was a lot of fun, but anyway, but it's just, you know, it's an ever, you know, you think you learn it and then, um, you know, then you have to, it's just kind of cool watching Tigger. I mean, Tigger's done my freestyles before and I've watched her do other people's freestyles, but doing this together as a quadrille and seeing how her little creative brain works. <laughs> And also you can fry it that way too. I'm just saying, um, it is, um, it's just interesting. Cause it just kind of constantly evolved and, you know, forever and ever and ever Tigger has always told me, you know, you're, you're, you're telling a story, you're telling a story. And what was neat for me, um, in the end, because we literally were making changes on Thursday night as we were practicing. <laughs> um, and, um, uh, just how in the end, um, I mean how I, I, at least, at least how it felt and how it rode for us, and obviously, we were the entertainment value of it. but um was just how I felt like in the end, it really it ended up telling a story. so it was, was that that part was great, and it was just so much fun working with other people and doing that, and just um it's such a great experience for the horse. I think the coolest thing for me was just seeing how the horse we've only had a year never took her off the farm. <laughs> and, and the first the first time we showed up to practice, I'm sure Tigger was like, "Oh my gosh, what did I get myself into?" Because we, could, I couldn't even get the bridle. I looked like such a professional. I couldn't get the <laughs> bridle on her. She was Like her head was in the air. You know, I'm I'm accustomed to get her head down. You know, I'm having the owner of the horse like stand behind her so she doesn't run backwards. Was, you know, she was just interested in those things. You know, not me. But I'll, I'll tell you about what, what week three. She was broke. <laughs> <But> <laughs> she, was, she was like, "Oh boy." So that was actually um that part was a lot of fun. But it was really it was great. I mean, Tigger and I, oh God, how many years ago was it? We emceed uh, part of it together and it was fun yeah. to see Tiggs in her element that way. Um, but it was really, it was um, incredibly overwhelmingly enjoyable for me and made me so proud of my friend Tigger because to, to sit there and watch it and be a part of it a small part of it was just, um, it was just such a prideful thing for me to be involved in the whole process of it. But You know, and, you know, it never, it never stinks, you know, um, being with a winning gal. Well, (laughs) see,
3: we we need to mention that also, that once again, Tigger's Team Biostar wins, hands down, handily wins, because it is scored, because that that makes it part of the fun. And you got to remember that all of these writers who are participating in this fundraiser are very high level competitors they're competitive riders it's what they live for so there is that aspect of it and i really enjoyed the judges giving the scores after each ride she would give the score and she would say what for the the music i'm trying to remember what the categories technical
2: music choreography harmony
3: harmony and why each score was that so you could kind of keep keep score in your head too i really appreciated that part so i understood what they were looking for mm-hmm. and it makes perfect sense that they score it the way they do not like a traditional dressage test
2: yeah you can't
3: you can't because these yeah. are these are riders who until they joined this particular coda team may never have even met before
2: <laughs> yeah, true so
3: yeah
1: well the horses the horses certainly didn't the horses certainly <laughs> yeah. didn't.
3: and um for the teams, there were five teams.
1: Five teams. That's, are there
3: always that's, five teams, or does that vary from year to year?
2: There are always five. We're hoping for six next year.
3: Okay, so it's a it, it's not a case of they, they cap it at five.
2: No. Okay. I mean, that's 30 Grand Prix horses. That's a lot. That's a lot. Now,
3: <laughs> I was chatting with um Stephanie, who was at our table. Yes. Yeah. And She was. She wasn't positive, but it's not required that they're Grand Prix horses. It's not part of the requirements. It has to be FEI two. Okay, so they do have to be competing at a certain level. Okay, yes,
2: and it has to be ridden. The horse has to be ridden by a professional. No amateurs. Really? Yeah. Interesting. the, The organizer is afraid in that environment that an amateur could get. Into mischief. Oh, well, it is oh, pretty electric. Oh, it's easy. crazy.
3: They're screaming and yelling. There's there's glitter everywhere. There, there was there's sparkles. a thousand
2: people there Friday yeah. night.
3: Yeah, so I, I mean, can understand that. Yeah, Devon because,
2: isn't that big, right?
3: And so, unlike mm-mm. unlike some disciplines where cheering crowds and things are the norm. In dressage, it's the golf of horseback riding,
1: <laughs> right? And
3: quiet, uh, still, no or umbrellas, the please. Yeah, yeah. So the horses, yeah. if a horse could definitely come unglued. Yeah. And, and you could tell that some of the horses were really feeling the atmosphere more than others.
2: Yeah, the uh, what I love about CODA is that people can clap when they want to clap.
3: Thank and, goodness. Mm-hmm. Can we do more of that in dressage, please? Yes, yes. Please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, that was, that was high on my list of reasons I enjoy going. So in, in short, I need to put that on my annual things to do. Yay! Oh. It was so much fun. We stayed at a lovely campground very nearby um, called Lion Safari country, ca- Campground.
1: Safari. Yeah. yeah.
3: And our campsite was right next to... <laughs> The, where lions. the lions are so we got to listen to the lions <laughs> roaring all night, which was both fun and terrifying at yes. the same time. Yes, cool. yes. So, anybody who's going to be in Wellington or needs an excuse to go to Wellington. Pota is a good reason to go. You can take yeah. the whole family. It's very yeah. inexpensive to get a ticket to go in if you're in the general seating yeah, area. Yes, um, they have lots of fun food, and the whole family will enjoy it because again, it's got sparkles and it's got a g- amazing riders. So who's not, who can't and like great that? music and, and a great real music.
2: variety of music.
3: Yeah, it's much more fun and light and high energy than a typical freestyle would be which is a hundred
2: percent yeah
3: yeah yeah and they, the the judges really rewarded the creativity which was neat
2: yeah that that was surprising <laughs> 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 because i really had stepped out of my comfort zone on that one
3: yes and i loved it i love that i love that era of music you did the 1920s i love yeah. that era anyway and it was really neat that you used Contemporary Modern artists, contemporary yeah. artists doing those pieces. Yeah. So people who are less than <clears throat> my age could still relate,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and maybe open up their minds to the incredible music of the 1920s.
3: Yeah, yeah. There we go. Pretty cool. Ding, mm-hmm. ding, 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 ding. So go to Coda. It's on the schedule every year, and watch for Team BioStar, who's won how many years now?
2: We have won four out of six. There you
3: go. Ding, 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 (laughs) ding, 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 ding. Mm. Mm, Yeah, yeah. And speaking of riding, speaking of amazing horsemanship, our roundtable discussion today. Yeah. The pros and cons wrap or not wrap your horse's legs when you're riding. Okay. What inspired the question?
2: Well, this study that um, was published in 2021. And um, I, I just, you know, we, I, I was thinking of CODA, actually, every horse had polo wraps on because that's just what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. But they found that, um, you, the factor of temperature and humidity create a micro environment between the boot and the bandage on the horse's skin. Mm hmm. And the heat produced during exercise and the ambient temperature and humidity and um, shows the insulating effect. And the worst, the worst culprit is our polo wraps. Really? Mm -hmm. Yep.
3: How interesting. And this was published when?
2: And this was published 2021.
3: So not too long ago, during the dark times. Yes. And if you're if you're listening to this podcast in the year 2028, just go uh, go look at any headline from any newspaper in the year 2020, <laughs> 2021, 2022 and you'll know what I mean by dark times.
2: So, so so they compared a neoprene boot, okay. A perforated neoprene boot, okay. An alternative neoprene boot made of stomatex material, okay. A cross country boot An elastic track bandage, a polo wrap, and elasticon type material, Mm -hmm. and a straight polo wrap.
3: So they did quite the all the most common bits and pieces. Yeah.
2: Yes. The quote the polo wrap was hotter and more humid than the other treatments, Mm
1: -hmm. while the
2: alternative neoprene with StomaTex bubble type composition was cooler, but was also looser fitting, which may have had an effect in lowering the heat.
3: So lowering the, so they were only looking at that one parameter the the heat between the heat that was created on the skin surface yes. or the heat that was not able to dissipate on the skin surface. They were looking at any of the other factors that that bu- might that leg protection might offer the protection or the support that. You might use them for. For example, if your horse wears sports medicine boots, he might wear them because he's got an old injury that really he needs to wear that. Right. Okay. They weren't looking at that part. Do they say in the study what prompted them to study this?
2: Yeah. The study supports the hypothesis that a limb wrapped in a boot or bandage undergoing moderate intensity exercise in moderate ambient. Ambient conditions during exercise may reach tendon-damaging temperatures by preventing convection cooling.
3: Now, explain convection cooling so every all of us out here at Radio Land know.
2: Well, if you confine heat to one area and and don't allow it to dissipate, you're concentrating heat.
3: It continues to pile up.
2: Correct. Okay.
3: And the convection being, if it can't have convection, that means it can't dissipate. Is that what we're going with?
1: Yeah. So So, the leg wrap
3: itself doesn't actually create any heat. It just keeps it from being dissipated. Correct. Okay.
2: So this is what the researcher said. Um, Booting or bandaging your horse is an at-risk versus reward situation. Riders should take into consideration the ambient conditions, workload intensity, the horse's locomotion tendencies, and boot and bandage design and materials. The best way to protect your horses is to remove that leg protection as soon as possible, then cold hose those wings. You've got to cool those legs down.
3: Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So Patty, as an active Grand Prix competitor and everybody in the dressage discipline it's standard operating procedure all horses wear polo wraps all the time under saddle how 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 do you feel about the results of this study
1: what does that make you think about oh i agree a thousand percent i've been actively not doing that um since i moved to houston back in 2013 um which is kind of funny because um you know i was in virginia which humidity wise although not in houston uh um was far worse than probably, no, I shouldn't say far worse than Houston. Houston, there, there's pros and cons from each place. But where I live now, which is five hours north, it's a lot drier. But I stopped using um, polar wraps a long time ago. And and it's interesting, Tigger, that you bring this up because it was you that turned me on to that flex stretch boot that um, was a breathable. Equilibrium. Um, the, white, the,
2: equal the equilibrium, equilibrium. Boots from England. Yeah, that's um, a cool boot. Yeah.
1: And um, that really got me thinking that was back in 2008. But when I moved to Houston, I had already had that idea of that boot in my mind and we had been using it. And I I was polo wrapping 13 horses a day, a lot of laundry, by the way. Um, but I just kept thinking it's just getting too hot. And one of the number one things that can damage a tendon, obviously, is keeping it too hot for too long. Yeah. And so I started going to the just primarily primarily to those boots. Every horse I had one in those. Um, and you know, at the time that's when everybody And one, you know, I used to, I mean, anytime I was down here doing any, you know, CDI, anything like that, I, we were doing the, um, the heavy wrap underneath and the polo on top, mm-hmm. you know, thinking there all the supports up and I cringe when I think about, well, I actually, I shouldn't cringe. I should be grateful that nothing ever really happened. Um, because that's like such an easy way to obviously Heat the tendon up and then stress it out. And then, if you know if you're doing extended truss and all that stuff, or you massage or pirouettes, or whatever, I mean it's a, it's a beautiful way to um, heat that up and make it uh, become an issue. <coughs> so for me, I've been doing this for years. So um, I only right now I have um, one of my horses um, just has a little bit of chubby legs going on. And so I put polar wraps behind on him because I want him to have more. I want it to help the circulation and it's actually worked. But as soon as he stays down, um, I'll go back to doing regular boots. The other thing that I was doing too was, um, and I don't know if the study shows anything of, with this, but you know, a lot of the, uh, Lemieux boots and all these other ones have, um, different types of obviously technology where they have holes through it's supposed to help, you know, um, get, you know, get air around. Cause it's really, you're just protecting them for when you're doing lateral work. It's not a support. They're not trying to support them like you do with racetracks, you know, race, race horses. Um, but the, um, Merino wool, like the wool. is supposed to be very breathable. Um, do you know what I'm talking about Tigger? The Merino yeah. wool ones. Yeah. Um, they're supposed to be very breathable. And I, um, I use those a lot because it does keep it, 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 and if you, take, um, the old wolf boots were just near prim ones that um, yeah. fit really well, but if we, I would take those off and their legs literally would be completely from where the boot started and completely sweating, completely sweating. Um, the Merino wool ones I've used DSB and Lemieux and a bunch of different types. And they, um, absolutely, I feel distribute the heat better throughout the leg and they're not nearly as hot. And then, of course, I highly, highly recommend just, you know, cold hosing afterwards. And I, I follow my horses when I'm done.
2: Well, I was going to say, you know, Tim Over is the ice man cometh. And, yes. you know, he really believes when you're after your horses work, start icing and just pull mm-hmm. cool the feet and the tendons, everything
1: down. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So I that was happy to hear. About yeah. Do you do you
3: think going forward that you may see some riders pass on polo wraps as just on general principles? You put them on all the time.
1: No. No. Yeah. No. Neither. I wish they would because I mean, when you look at some videos of these people and they have the escadrons that now go from their knees all the way down to their it's
2: unbelievable. Feet, it's just,
1: oh, wait, it, it's sickening to me. It, it's just sickening to me because I I just can't understand why people don't get it.
2: So they don't they don't uh, understand that they really think they're doing their best. absolutely. absolutely. And, and let me tell you this whole, you know, escadron thing. it started in Europe where they don't have oh, nearly yeah. the heat or humidity mm-hmm. in Germany and Good Holland point. and Scandinavia. They're dealing with. remember, one of the big things is ambient temperature. Well, mm-hmm. if you're in the cold weather, it's not going to be as big of an issue. But if you're in Florida, it's a huge issue. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yes, everything overheats yeah. in Florida, everything. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I think we have to keep that in mind that um, you know, the the whole escadron and all that was developed in Europe in northern Europe where it's cool.
3: Mhm. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. So it, yep. it would be interesting because <clears throat> studies like these have to be funded. So somebody has to fund them.
2: But I'm, I'm curious. It was if, funded at Middle Tennessee University.
3: There we go. The. The ubiquitous polo wrap versus the polo wrap with the bandage underneath of it, because I've that's seen that's, that's that's yeah. become all the rage now. Everybody's got to because yeah.
2: it, it, that's what, and, what Patty and I were talking about.
3: Right in the my escadron. little yes. yeah, in my little universe, back in the day, a pole wrap was the point behind a pole wrap is it didn't need anything underneath of it. That was the point behind a pole wrap. Right. That's why you put that on. Right. But now they're putting a, a a a quilted bandage underneath of it to take those things because they have ways of testing how much support a given piece of leg equipment actually gives the leg. They've done testing on other boots to to test those things it would be interesting to see if a plain pole wrap versus a pole wrap with a bandage underneath if one gives more support than the other versus the amount of heat one traps versus the other now obviously you've got more thermal mass the one with the bandage underneath is going to it's going to trap more heat period and i'm very curious because there are i'm going to be the devil's advocate high-level competitors are using this style of wrapping, bandage followed by polo wrap. Yeah. If indeed it was detrimental to the horse, those horses would be breaking down left and right. That's going to be the reply to someone who says, you shouldn't be doing that because it can be damaging at the cellular level. My, And then I'm going to come back and say, well, maybe the reason your horses aren't breaking down at a rapid rate is because you put a lot more time, money... And effort into taking those bandages off and or- icing your horses like crazy, crazy, yep. help counteract the damage you just created. Am I is is that sounding logical? Because that's what I'm thinking is okay. The the horses are doing fine bandaged that way, because and it does offer lots of support. But then you have to counteract the cellular damage you're doing. So is there a better way to offer the support that the horse maybe needs that doesn't have the detrimental heating effect?
1: Well,
2: well th- think of it less of support
1: yeah, and I was more just
2: gonna
1: say, of protection. It's not for support. That's no, the number one it isn't. thing. It, it is for protection. And if you think about it, um, and again, it's it's for it's like, for example, down here, um, you know, and you know this, Jen, from living in Florida, um, you get one little nick, um you know, by a horse doing a lateral stuff hits himself and gets a little bit of a nick and the flies get to that, becomes a somersault, it's blah blah blah. It's protection against stuff like that, hitting themselves, knocking themselves, not you know, it's a little bit of a buffer so they don't, you know, get a little bone bruise or twist their ankle a little bit, but it's really not for support. So that that's the number one thing. But and if and think of it this way too, and you know, and what most people do, at least I really started doing even before I stopped using polos is when I would go to horse shows instead of putting polos on and you know, it was a lot easier just to put boots on just as a protection. Then you go into the, um, you into the arena and you show, but again, you have to be super careful about saying protection because if it is or support, because if it is about support, when you go in and you show when you really supposedly would need support the most, you can't wear them.
3: Very interesting. So
1: where do you fall on
3: the whole, should you wrap? Shouldn't you wrap? question if you want to let us know at horse at healthy critters radio go to facebook find the healthy critters radio facebook page hit the like button and therefore the follow button because they go together and let us know what you think do you have do you agree with this do you think polo wraps are universally a bad idea do you think they're universally a good idea are there circumstances under which they should be used we want to know we want your opinion people and speaking of opinions <laughs> It's time for us to call Hedwig a very opinionated
2: Oh, Pomeranian. speaking of opinionated. Yeah, there we so go. Much. Let's
3: give her a holler. <laughs> All right. It's time for Hedwig, the world's only podcasting Pomeranian.
2: Hello. There she is. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Hedy. <Hattie. laughs>
4: Hello, everyone.
2: The, the, the podcast world only... Talking Pomeranian for any new listeners that we have. Hedwig is um, a unique feature of healthy critters.
3: Oh, Hedwig! <laughs> you have your own Facebook page, don't you, Hedwig?
4: I do. I have not had my um, staff member updating it as often as she should because she is essentially quite lazy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> do you, Do you also do Instagram and things like that, or are you just just a Facebook? dog
4: i sometimes am featured on instagram but i should have my own page you're right you're totally correct i should have not just my own page but a dedicated person to post photos of me
3: that you should because you are a very photogenic pomeranian as are your siblings
4: videos yes must have videos Reels.
3: yes
1: <laughs> well hedy, i have a question for you I um, I had the privilege of riding with your servant this past week uh, doing a quadrille at Coda. And we were wondering if you got to watch it and what did you think if you did?
4: Well, first of all, I must apologize that you had to put up with her. She's so hideous. I don't even know how you did it. Did you consider murder or just giving up entirely and having her killed? I... I just feel so terribly that you had to put up with that nonsense. But um, mostly, to be fair, um, when she's doing the riding, we just stay home and hope that she doesn't fall off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you, she did a far better job than just not staying on. So, um, okay, so you didn't get to watch it. I think you would have been quite proud.
4: Yes, I do, too. I don't. Think so? No. Usually, she makes errors, and those errors are devastating to my self esteem.
1: Oh, well, you know, here's the great thing: we were all making errors. So if she made if she made any, I have a feeling ours were glaring out even more. But it was for such a good cause, too. So I think well, we all I, had a good that's time. That's why
4: we allowed her to go out in public. You know, usually. She's just so humiliatingly bad, we don't allow her to do public riding. But in this case, Tigger was kind enough to include her, and it was a good cause, so we thought we would take the risk.
0: (laughs) And are you (laughs) glad you you did?
4: I mean, I guess so. I watched the video, and I was only mostly demoralized and thinking I could change my name and move to... The Philippines or Manila would be nice this time of year, I thought to myself.
0: Hmm. I don't think
1: there's you know, really good to there, so maybe you should just stay put.
4: <laughs> I, yes, I've heard that, but of course, the dollar is strong still.
1: Uh, <laughs> do you have lots of dollars?
4: Well, I could. I could if I were to um, make fluid my assets.
1: I, for one, uh, w- I, I think she should stay in the States, and I think uh, she did quite a good job. So I think next time, um, then maybe you should watch. And, uh, and you know, you could be, actually, you could be sort of a headliner.
4: <laughs> yes. I probably jump better than those miniature horses do, anyway. <laughs> How
1: funny would that have been to put Hetty in?
4: <laughs>
2: that would have okay. been hysterical.
4: And it would be funny to watch the human servant try to run. (laughs) 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 Well, Well,
2: as always, thanks for your insight, Hedy. You
4: know, you did not um, feel compelled to go to prison (laughs) on her behalf.
0: Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended.
1: So we are at Critter of the Show, and I uh, love to do things that... um, do critters that i've recently seen and the other night being in florida for the winter i my house is all glass and i was bringing my dogs back in and i turn around and there was a florida tree fog just stuck on my sliding glass window so i thought i was going to research these little buggers um they're also known as um the cuban tree frog or the barking frog so you do need to look it up. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. I, everybody probably hears them if you're in Florida at night, but it's neat to know cause they sound truly like a pack of dogs. Um, they're known, they're known for their bright green color and dark spots. They have big bug eyes and large toe pads and numerous warts. I didn't see that the other night. Um, they're located, they're located all throughout, um, Florida, with the exception of the very, very southern part. I don't know why, but like if you look at the map where they show that they are, there's just like sort of like Miami and a slice of that down. Don't know why. But they have a loud, what they call tonk or bark. And from a distance, it sounds like a group of barking dogs. And this is a very important thing because that's how the, the female chooses the male based on the sound. But that was kind of a cute little tidbit. So the
2: best bark
1: wins. <laughs> the best Sounds if you're gonna Larry, get yeah. text, it's the best tonk.
2: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: All the tonk. Um, so they're they're um, they can be found um, high in a treetop and and down as low as burrowing into the sand. They're primarily around uh, sort of swampy or marshy areas and small ponds. And we're literally live next to a pond, so that makes complete sense. Um, and a, and a sideline, uh, years ago, I had a um, an RV that I had down here, and I um, got all the way home to Virginia and brought a tree frog home. <laughs> oh, was I that's adorable. Was... Yeah. Um, interestingly or n- inter- interestingly enough, and I'll be curious, Tigger, if this has been something you've had in your head. Um, but all the years I've been coming down here, I have always um, heard that there were poisonous um frogs down here and apparently there are are deathly poisonous there are poisonous yes. frogs but most toads. Of them are not toads. deathly. which is toads right which yeah. i thought that was kind of interesting because i guess there's this this whole thing on you know are the tree frogs also because they have all the warts on them um you know and they do that they secrete that whatever anyway but the tree frogs are not uh, uh poisonous so just good good thing to know um But however, that doesn't mean that if your dog were to lick one or try to ingest it, that they couldn't be very sick. Um, These little gems range from two inches up to uh, five and a half inches. Um, The tree frogs are nocturnal, so they sleep during the day and they wake up at night. And that's when the sun goes down and that's when they start to hunt and breed. Um, These little stinkers aren't picky about what they basically if it fits in their mouth, they'll eat it. So (laughs) basically bugs and stuff like that. the females, interestingly enough, are larger than the males, and they will breed year-round, but primarily breed in the wetter months. Um, that is year-round in Florida, then, by the way. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> well, we've been having a little bit of dry patch, although we've had rain the last couple of days, which has been kind of cool. Um, the females can lay up to several hundred eggs. Now, this is interesting. So, they can, they can hatch in under 30 hours.
2: Whoa. So they, whoa. Really?
1: Uh-huh. And the tadpoles um, develop within one month. Huh. Kind of, cow. Yeah. Yeah. So if you see a little tree frog, um, don't lick it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you can see um, it, put whatever it can fit in its mouth. But they're a cute little critter, and you, you definitely need to, it's worthwhile um, putting, the, to get the video of them um, making the tonk or bark sound because it's kind of cute. So. There
3: you have Aww. it, frog. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Florida Tree Frog. Huh. Indeed. Indeed.
2: Indeed. And now we're at Critter Nutrition, and we're going to talk about understanding the role of iron in horses. Iron is an important mineral for horses, but its need is often misunderstood. Iron is an incredibly abundant trace mineral, and horses are very effective at conserving and utilizing iron. While human iron needs may be often deficient, horses rarely are. Typically, energy supplements, complete feeds, and blood-building supplements include supplemental iron. Do horses need more iron? Typically, supplements and many multivitamin mineral formulas provide iron as an ingredient. Because these supplements are based on the theory of iron deficiency. Yet iron deficiency is very rare in horses. Anemia is possible for horses with gastric ulceration, leading to blood loss, or horses with parasite overloads. But in fact, the biology of the horse makes horses very effective conservators of iron. A study published in Animals 2022 showed that hay samples, a total of 5,837 hay samples, submitted for analysis to equianalytical labs in 2017, showed an average iron concentration more than five times that required by the athletic horse. of those samples contain iron at or above the maximum tolerable amount set by the 2005 National Research Council. Iron is the fourth most abundant element in the earth. Horses get iron through forage, hay, fortified feeds, whole food, vitamin mineral supplements, and herbal supplements. Horses control iron uptake starting in their digestive tracts. Once the iron is absorbed from the small intestine into the bloodstream, it is transported by a host protein, transferrin, to the liver and spleen for production of hemoglobin and a form of iron called ferritin. Stored in the liver and spleen, ferritin is a safe form of iron available to the horse when needed. Microorganisms in the gut contribute to the bioavailability of minerals such as iron. There's a dynamic modulation that occurs between intestinal microbiota and iron. Iron has a direct impact on host microbiota interactions. It can alterate microbial growth, affect the host immune system, and a range of biochemical processes. Too much of a trace mineral such as iron can modulate the microenvironment of the GI tract, affecting nutrient availability. Research has indicated that pathogen bacteria growth is linked with higher iron levels. Pathogenic bacteria possess more efficient pathways to acquire free iron and have more than one mechanism for exploiting iron sources. Too much iron is not enough iron. Because Biostar uses plant and food ingredients, our raw materials are assayed for nutrient content. I have yet to see one plant food that is deficient in irons. It is one of the most prevalent elements in the earth. More times than not, when I look at a food assay, I am thinking, wow, that's a lot of iron. Iron toxicity. Iron toxicosis is more of a problem than iron deficiency. Horses cannot excrete excess iron. A study by Dutch researchers published at the Equine Veterinary Journal in 2018 found that hemochromatosis, which is the buildup of excess iron in the body and liver dysfunction in 21 horses and one donkey from high iron content of the water on the farms. Nine of the 21 horses were eventually euthanized. Five years later, the iron levels were still elevated in the 13 surviving equines. Iron overload and insulin resistance. This is a hot topic among researchers. On one hand, some researchers have concluded the horse is such a good regulator of iron that overload is rare. On the other hand, iron overload is seen in other mammalian species. And one study identified excess serum ferritin in all 33 of the confirmed insulin resistant horses in the study. Dietary supplementation of iron does not boost red cell production. Iron is required by the horse, the synthesis of hemoglobin that picks up oxygen and transports it to body tissues. The horse uses iron primarily for oxygen transportation. Horses are rarely deficient in iron. Too much iron can disrupt the microbial balance in the gut, leading to the proliferation of pathogenic bacteria. Excess iron accumulating over time can accumulate in the liver and cause long-term health issues. Test your water if you are on a well. Test your hay and forage. If you are in a boarding situation where new loads of hay come in frequently and aren't tested, be careful about feeding supplements with added iron. Iron is is an important trace mineral for horses. However, too much iron may pose health challenges to horses GI tract and liver.
3: Cut. Yep. So, what I'm getting out of that conversation is that if you're feeding your horse a balanced diet in that if it's properly analyzed they're not going to get too much iron no versus somebody who's feeding a balanced diet and then throwing additional iron at correct. it through supplementation correct, is where you're, correct. Okay.
1: exactly okay.
3: which i think is a lot more common in the racing industry than a lot of others that's a that's a big deal to no, all the the girls, are on Red sill <laughs>
2: but, but yeah but they are they are down here too yeah oh yeah red red. cell looks atomic
3: yeah, that's- everybody's got it. Yeah, interesting. So if they can't excrete it, where does it all go?
2: Store it in the liver, and hmm. that that study in the, in Holland reading it five years later, those horses were still toxic in their liver because
3: hmm. there's oh, wow. no
2: place for that to go.
3: Yeah, you can't get rid of it once it's there. No. Yeah, no. Interesting. So if you have a horse that, let's say, you buy a horse that's nine years old and spent the first four years of his life getting way too much iron. You've just inherited someone else's, yeah, prop. yeah, yeah. Interesting.
2: And well, hmm. water—you need to check your well water.
3: Yeah. So, how do they check for? Well, how do they check your horse's levels of iron? Is this your your standard blood test?
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. easy to do. Hmm.
3: So if your horse has too much iron, you'd have to figure out how to give him a diet with his little extra iron, his little low uh, it's iron
2: stuff. Very difficult.
3: Yeah, yeah, because it's in everything. It's
2: everything,
3: yeah. It's in everything, yeah. yeah. Very interesting. interesting, huh? There we go. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Coffee Clutch. Coffee
2: Clutch. So we're at Coffee Clutch, and the topic is what quirky qualities does your horse or dog have that make you laugh? Can I start? Can yes, I start? please. Please.
3: First, I always have to ask this question. What prompted this topic?
2: What <laughs> are the quirky qualities of my dogs. And
3: which dog? Keen. And Keen. Which one's Keen in amongst the pack? Where does he fit in?
2: He's the youngest.
3: He's the youngest. He's the youngest. Three years the group. old. He's yeah. three years old. And what is his quirky quality that makes you laugh?
2: As soon as I pick up his leash, he spins around like a top. And he's so excited and so happy. He cannot sit for me to put the leash on. He vibrates. I swear that dog could levitate. <laughs> and it, it, I have done for three years trying to teach him to just settle. He knows what settle means he'll settle almost any other time but as soon as i fix that leash up we are a whirling dervish in place and it, it's just this is this is the best day ever
1: <laughs> and
2: it just makes me laugh i stopped like obsessing about it and just go okay this is just him
1: oh
3: that's so cute how Aww. about you patty
1: well, um, both of my dogs sneeze and my one uh so Burke sneezes but he sn- sneezes and smiles. <laughs> it's like sneezes and smiles to the point where it's like, okay, stop and like you think it's gonna it just keeps going on and on and he just sneezes and smiles and sneezes and smiles. But um catch does the same thing he'll um that Keen does, he'll just spin and spin and spin to the point where you're like, Okay, whirling dervish calm calm that down <laughs> slow your <laughs> roll there um but the sneezing but the, it's funny i don't know that catch would have necessarily been a sneezer but burke, you definitely a me. burke yeah yeah i think you yeah for sure and for sure
2: kemosabe he doesn't do it anymore because he's old and blind and deaf but the funny quirk he used to have is i'd be sitting working at my desk And all of a sudden, there'd be Sabi's big head with one of my shoes in his mouth. And he would wiggle his rear end because he's an Aussie, so no noticeable tail. And very proud, like, look what I have for you. And then he'd drop it, clunk, either in my lap or on my foot or, you know, and I'd say, pick it up. And he'd pick it up and just, you know, look, I brought you your shoe. It just—it just makes me laugh.
3: It's the most magical thing ever. I have yeah. your shoe exactly.
0: Like and when, aren't baby, you when proud
3: babies, when dis- I brought yeah. it to you. Yeah. <laughs> like when babies discover <laughs> they have toes.
2: Oh, it's the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, That's Jen.
3: A- oh, I have so many, so <laughs> many. Oh, this is one from back in the day when we were kids. We always had cats in the house. On cats outside, we were a cat family, and we had one cat who would fall asleep, and he would become catatonic. Huh, I made a joke there, catatonic. And then he, when he was in this state, you could literally pick him up, and he would hang there like a wet rag. And you could carry him around like that, like a wow. wet rag. He'd just be completely just droop cat. And we just thought that was the funniest thing. We would, Anytime we would see him napping somewhere, we would go over and poke him to see if he was in his catatonic state. Sometimes he was just normal sleeping and he'd he'd wake up and growl at you. But sometimes, oh, look, he's doing it again. And we'd pick him up and we'd carry him around and play with his legs.
2: You know, I had a Maine Coon cat that was really a relaxed cat. And he would stand with his feet on my shoulders and I would drape him over my head like a hat. And his front paws would hang down in front of my face. Oh, that's awesome! And I could walk around with him like this.
3: Oh my gosh! That's taking your life into your own hands. You could have been blinded by those claws.
2: Yeah, but (laughs) he just wasn't. He liked. He thought that was really fun. And then the head would move, you know, side to side. It was the coolest hat ever.
3: That gives new meaning to coon skin cap, doesn't it?
2: Yes, exactly.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, another one that makes me giggle and this is a current one pt scooter Glenn's hackney pony Mm -hmm. loves him a mud puddle the other and he reminded me again the other day i was i poured out his water trough which is just a giant muck tub i poured it out so i could scrub it out and clean it so i poured it out and then i turned the water on and walked away and went and did something else so it was sitting there overflowing for probably a good 10 minutes And he took note, and he came over, and he just immersed his entire... I don't know how he does it. Uh, He must have been a fish in a former life, because he (laughs) somehow gets away. Now, this is a mud puddle that's probably four feet by six feet, maybe. And he gets his whole 12-and-a-half-hand body in there. So every square inch of his body, right up to his eyelids, is covered with water in that little tiny mud puddle. Wow. He loves him a mud puddle. Yeah. So there you go. If you if you've got uh, love, lo- well loved animals in your life that make you chuckle because they have fun and interesting things that they do, we would love to hear about it. We would love you to post a video over on the oh, Facebook a page. Oh, reels. A, of fact. a reels. You could post mm-hmm. it over on the Facebook page, uh, Healthy Critters Radio on Facebook. One over there. Hit the hit the like and follow button. Pop in a video of your dog, cat, gerbil, turtle doing something. Yes. fun. <gasps> Speaking of turtles squirrel speaking of turtles when we were staying at lion country safari koa campground we of course did the tour of lion country was that fun park. oh it was lovely and it's such a nice park oh my the the enclosures are huge and the animals are all in herds that are herd animals and they're all trotting around they just a lot of times when you see animals that are in, wild animals that are in captivity.
2: Oh, it's painful. They, it's horrible. Yeah.
3: yeah. These They had so much room and they were behaving in a way you would expect a wild animal to behave. They were interacting with each other. They were occasionally chasing. There was herd dynamics going on, which was really neat.
2: Yeah, that's really neat.
3: It was really neat. It was very refreshing. I would absolutely do that one again. And you'll, you go through at your own pace. You're not dragged through so you can stop. Yeah, that's and, nice. Yeah, stop and stare. And the first mm-hmm. creature we saw when we went in, was a giant tortoise. Wow. It was, a, it was a giant tortoise about the size of a VW. Bug. Yeah. And he mm. was he was crawling into a pond, and I didn't know they did that.
2: Wow.
3: Yes, and that we we oh. had the audio going. You can have a, a little drive-through audio going on your radio. <laughs> and I said, well, you may see him going into the pond. It's like, there he is. That's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> And he doesn't swim. He just goes into the edge and then he has to back himself back out again because they don't swim. But we caught him going into the pond, which I thought was so exciting. It was wow. Yeah. So if you're ever down there, again, Wellington wants something else to do when you're going to Coda. Uh, the lion safari, Lion Country Safari, the animals are just out there being animals. It's pretty cool.
2: Is the campground nice?
3: The campground is lovely. It's a KOA campground which you mean it's part of that KOA chain it's clean it's pleasant it's quiet everybody was friendly uh the sites are pretty darn level it's i like the thing i liked about it is it's just the right level of it's campgroundish but not quite rustic cuz most campgrounds these days are literally parking lots they're paved wow. it's literally a parking lot. There's like a nothing city. A amp about it. Like a yeah, city. it's just a it's just a big paved area because people don't want sand in their capers. But the 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 sites are still turf for the most part. Some of them are gravel, but then they have a little concrete pad to put your awning over so you can have a concrete pad for your picnic table and stuff. So I would very much recommend it. No, I shouldn't say that because it gets sold out. No, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Don't go well, there. maybe you should reserve your spot for next year. Well, we were really
3: surprised mm-hmm. to get one. We wanted to stay another night, but we couldn't get a site uh, because it does sell out in the wintertime like most campgrounds do. And most campgrounds, you can only reserve one year in advance. So we'll have to get online and, and get our spot reserved for next year.
2: Yep. Because we want to see you back at Kodak. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. First year. It was sure. a lot
3: of fun. Well, there we go. That's another show in the books. Yep. Yeah. We'll in see the in, books. In the books. We'll see you next in month, the books. yeah.